following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Good morning. Um, <clears throat> I want uh, to challenge you all uh, that were brave enough to come out this morning. Um, when you see Doug McDonald, say thank you to him. You could have easily gotten into the parking lot this morning, but without Dougie's help, you would not get out. He was here very early this morning and cleared out the entire parking lot so that we could gather here today. And he's still out doing that to work for other people. So be sure to thank him. Um, he doesn't take very much from us as a as a church. He won't allow us to pay him very much. So um, be sure to give him a hug and say thank you for making it so we don't die uh, at a church. Another one. Well, we'll be back in Mark. Chapter 4 this morning, we're going to look at verses 1 through 20. I'm not going to say there's not enough of you here. You don't deserve the sermon that I wrote. Uh, that's not how I do it. So we're going to continue our work in Mark, and we'll put on the Internet so those that are not here can, can be here electronically, I guess. So Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20, that's page 839 in the Pew Bibles if that's helpful to you. <clears throat> now, I like to, uh, when it comes to preaching, I like to think of myself as an expositor, um, meaning that in my preaching, I try my best in the study to uncover the original author's meaning, the original author's intent in a given text, and, and take into account who received this first. It wasn't us. There are other people in different cultures that received it. And what, what that original message might have meant to them um, so that we can understand what it means for us now. I try to follow a basic rule that a text can never mean what it never meant. Meaning if Mark wrote this down, he had a specific intent, specific audience, and, and a, a specific purpose. Uh, and so that has not changed just because it was written a long time ago. Um, these are the Lord's words. This, are, this is God's words. So the meaning is not a change. The application, I'm sure, has changed. I don't think Mark's audiences were listening over the Internet. Um, so it's definitely different. And I like the challenge of digging through the layers and uncovering that meaning and trying to figure those things out. Sometimes in a text, it lies right on the surface, um, and it's relatively easy to connect the dots, and sometimes it's a lot harder to get to that original intent and meaning. And then there are texts like our text for this morning, uh, where the original author exposits the text himself and takes all the mystery out of the message. So we're going to look at Mark chapter 4, and you'll see uh, what I mean. It's a, a, a good-sized chunk here. So we read and then pray and, and dive in. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him. 
this is Jesus, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and yielded, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those with him, those around him with the twelve, asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on the rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. And then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are those are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful for your word. We're thankful that you have chosen to communicate to us in this way. We pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes to see and our ears to hear the message that you have for us and soften our hearts to receive it and apply it to our lives. Father, we give you this time for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Still here? Okay. So here we see, so elegantly put in this parable by Jesus, a sower, a seed, and some soils, four soils. Um, and we're going to be doing a lot of unpacking of parables of Jesus in the coming weeks. Uh, and what a parable is, a kind of self-explanatory, because uh, we he said it's a parable and then he told it, so we get a pretty good idea of what he meant. But simply put, a parable is a short teaching that conveys a spiritual truth by making a vivid comparison uh, to something that uh, people understood that was right in front of them. And Jesus is a master of wrapping these complex spiritual teachings in pictures that people could understand. Um, a farmer sowing seed in his field, the people there would understand that. That's how farming is done. And these folks who hear this message, 
even if they came all the way from Edomir, right? They come a hundred miles. They still understood what a sower sowing a seed was. Uh, it's not. Um, it's not a mystery to them. These folks, uh, the original audience, lived in an agrarian society. Uh, most people made a living by farming or fed their families by farming or fishing or serving the needs of those who farmed or fished. Um, and in most of Jesus' parables, this is a, the wonderful part that you don't get with your flannel graph. You don't see this in flannel graph. When you see Jesus teaching He's probably sitting on a rock with his white robe and blue sash, right? And the people are sitting around on the ground on the blank green grass with a blank blue sky. But it's, in, it's entirely possible that as Jesus was giving this parable about a sower sowing seeds into the soil, that there might have been somebody that they could see doing that, sowing seeds in a field planting it's entirely possible when he's talking about faith the size of a mustard seed that is standing in the midst of mustard plants trees growing right and that flannel graph doesn't do that justice the parables are so rich they're not just incidental stories he told um, but they're the things that are right in front of the people that's so important for us so we have this scene here. We have a little, let's call it a play. We have a little play. It's one act with two scenes. Uh, the first scene is Jesus speaking to the crowd in parables on the seashore from a boat. And that, that's a great flannel graph picture, Jesus in the boat. And the second scene happens later with Jesus, uh, the 12, as well as a group of other disciples, where Jesus explains and exposits the message. He said, this is what I said this is what I meant. That's the meaning of ex, ex, of doing that. <laughs> Exposition. Uh, he explains, uh, explains that for us. And that's where we're going to pick up. We're going to focus on scene two. Scene one, it happened, right? He told a parable by the seashore. We got that. So scene two is where he uh, start to explain it in verse 10. So if you look there in verse 10. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven." Jesus introduces a harsh reality um, right here, that there are only two kinds of people in the world. There are those who believe in him and those that don't. That's the only two kinds of people you can be. There have always been and always will be those who see and do not perceive, those who hear and do not understand. This is a sad reality. But the parable ex itself explains why this is. And that's what makes this parable so important. This is the king of all parables. Mark recorded this one first on purpose. Because when he says, if you don't understand this, you're not going to understand any of the parables. He meant that. 
because this is the key that unlocks them all, this particular parable. He said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? This parable may not uh, be the key to understanding the individual meaning and application um, of other parables, but it certainly uh, defines their reception, how people receive it, whether or not a person would hear and understand or see and perceive will always have to do with the condition of their hearts. That's what this parable is really about. That's what the four soils represented. So let's examine Jesus' explanation of the sower, the seed, and the soils. Verse 14 says, The sower sows the word. I know for some of you may have heard this text explained a million times, and even reading it, it doesn't really need a whole lot more explanation. But um, not all of you have, so we trust the Lord with that anyway. So verse 14, the sower sows the word. Here's the definition of both the sower and the seed in one sentence. Excuse me. What is the seed? Huh? No. Well, I don't know. You're still still here, so. The seed is the word. What does that mean? That's very kind of a broad. We say the Bible is God's word. Is the sower sowing the Bible? It's the gospel. It's very specific in that way. The word of truth. Jesus' message. The kingdom is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel, the good news. Right? So when Jesus says the word, the word, that's what he means. And even when John says the word became flesh, it's still the same thing. Jesus is the embodiment of the gospel, the good news um, that God has prepared and provided a way to save us from our sin. So the seed is the gospel, the proclamation of Jesus' kingdom of faith and how to enter it. That's even that's you can't forget that side of the coin. It's not just, hey, it exists, everybody. Isn't that great news? Oh, better news, there's a way for you to get in. And the sower, who is the sower? Hmm? Us? Hmm? No, no, there's no professional Sunday school students here. The answer is always Jesus. <laughs> Moses, Jerusalem, you know. So the sower is Jesus, yes, and it's also us. It's all all those who would come after him who faithfully proclaim the gospel. That's not just professional ministers or vocational missionaries. That's, that's us. We are all, uh, as followers of Jesus, entrusted with the same work to sow the seed. Now, I think this uh, interesting um, picture in that a sower is a more powerful picture, I think, than a planter. Right, um, planters have their place. Planters plant seeds one at a time, right? And they they have a carefully cultivated mound in a row, and they st- stick the seed in the mound very specifically. Planters have their place, but that's not the picture that Jesus used here. He uses the picture of a sower. 
Do you know how a sower sows seeds? By flinging them everywhere. There, they go, they go everywhere. Take a handful of seed from the bag and cast it out like this all over the place, like you're spreading salt on your driveway um, when you get home. Um, so not like planting corn, but sowing grain, sowing wheat. A sower sows seeds all over the place, casting out the seeds by the handful without being especially careful about where it lands. Just throws it all over the place. And that's why Jesus is able to describe the four different types of soil that a seed might fall on. A planter plants specifically in, in uh, cultivated ground, and a sower throws stuff all over the place. So as the sower sows seeds all over the place, some of the seeds end up on the path and on the shallow rocky soil, and some into the weeds, and then some on a good soil. And each of these soil types represent different states of the human heart. So the first soil is the path. Verse 15, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes a word, takes away the word that is sown in them. I don't know how practiced any of you are with sharing your faith, but there are times when you try to share the most important word you could share with someone and you watch as it just rejected. Just the seed will not penetrate their heart. These souls, the condition of these hearts, these poor souls that hear and reject the gospel, the path. Satan flies in like an old crow and gobbles up that seed so they don't even remember what you were talking about. These people see yet do not perceive. They hear, but they don't understand. You ever have that experience? You tried to share your faith with someone and it just bounced off the wall. It just can't penetrate. Don't just blame the devil. They can't hear because the Satan blinded them. Well, yeah, they're going to be held accountable for their own choice at the judgment day. You can't just say the Satan didn't let them hear it. Their heart was hardened. They reject the gospel. That's on them. That will, they will be held accountable for that. I don't know why people reject Christ. I don't. I, I, don't, I don't understand I don't understand why anyone would spurn his love for them. I don't. All I know is that their hearts are beaten down like a path. And the gospel stands no chance of taking root, especially when Satan blows in and distracts them and takes away the word, the seed that was sown. He picks it clean. And there's no remnants left behind for someone can say, I remember something you said to me one time. That's heartbreaking, but it's reality. The second soil is the shallow, rocky soil. Look at verse 16. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. 
Now, in this region, um, the limestone bedrock is never very far from the surface. Um, so in some places, soil would be quite shallow. We have the same thing here in New Hampshire where every piece of ground is set on a granite. Uh, it's just a matter of how much dirt is between the grass and the granite. So there, in this type of soil, there is soil there. It's just not very deep. And it's nice and warm. Seed start to grow fast in the warm soil. But the same thing that allowed it to spring up quickly also kills it because there's no depth of soil. When the sun gets hot, it scorches the seed because it had no depth of soil, no real roots. I'm not going to try to explain all the horticulture here because Craig is here to tell me I'm wrong about most of these things. But a plant has to get its nutrients and water from deep roots. And when there is a ledge there, it can't grow deep. So how, what kind of people are these then? If this is a condition of the human heart, these are another heartbreaking case. I kind of say, um, as a pastor, there's far too many people I've seen like this. These are people who hear and accept the gospel with joy. They say, this is, this is great, yahoo! But they are flash in the pan. It doesn't, it's not last. Um, perhaps their conversion was just an emotional response. I think uh, far too often people have their emotions manipulated and they make an emotional choice. And then when the emotion kind of fades away, it really was not real. It was just, I was really stirred up. It was nice, but uh, the emotional high is gone and their faith doesn't last. I, I can say this happens because it happened to me every year at summer camp. I think I gave my heart to Christ 12 times, 12 years in a row. You get whipped up that Thursday night at the campfire, right? And everybody's crying and telling their testimony of how they used to kick puppies and murder people. And, and now they found Jesus when they were 11 and a half. And now their life has changed. And, you know, and it just can be very dangerous. Um, <laughs> Good thing I'm not a camp director anymore. No more campfires. These, may, these folks also may not just be emotional response to the gospel, but may also be what James uh, called diligent hearers of the word, but not doers of the word. Um, James 1.22 says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. I would say um, that there are those also in this group that operate in the opposite way that is described here. They come to faith in times of trouble and trial. But when their trial is over, they walk away. They needed Jesus to get them through a hard time. Hard time is over. Don't really need Jesus anymore. And move on. You got them out of a bind. And that's it. Either way, the results are the same. You walk away from the faith. This is sad reality as well. 
tendency of far too often in the church. Well, the third soil, and in my mind at least, the most troubling soil, not that these other two aren't troubling, but the most troubling is the thorny thorny soil. Verse 18. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. What I find troubling about this is this could unfortunately be the majority of folks that are attending church services this morning across the world. They are those with divided loyalty. Again, would, would be considered diligent hearers of the word. They go to church every week and never miss, even in a snowstorm. Never miss. They like Jesus. They like the church. But that's a Sunday thing. There's so many other things that crowd in and compete for their loyalty. Busyness, boredom, fear of missing out. Bills, clubs, sports, hobbies, money, all kinds of things that are not bad in and of themselves, most of which are understandable concerns. That's the trouble with these thorns. They're understandable. It's normal stuff. Everybody has to deal with paying bills. Everybody has to deal with go-to-work. So make money to pay the bills so that you have a car to drive to work so you can make some money to pay the bills. (laughs) Right? It's round and round. It's all normal stuff. But when we allow these weeds and these thorns to grow up and take hold, they will slowly, almost unnoticeably, choke out our devotion to the Lord Jesus. That's the trouble with the thorns. When thorns grow up in your garden, it's not like you you sow some seed one day, and then there's a thorn bush, wham, It grows slowly and chokes out the seed. One of the most demanding and important tasks of gardening and the reason why I do not garden is diligently pulling weeds. This is an important work because weeds steal resources. Weeds steal time. Weeds steal the nutrients that allow the seed of the gospel to grow. See, the difference between the thorny soil and the good soil is not the quality of the soil. It's what's allowed to grow in it. The difference is diligence. The thorny soil is rich soil. That's why the thorns are there. They like it. It's good to grow in. So as Farmers, I guess, horticulturalists, plant enthusiasts. Do we allow the desires of the flesh to grow up and make us unfruitful? Or do we keep pulling the weeds? What's the secret ingredient? Effort. It takes diligence to not be thorny soil. That's the difference. So in these... (sighs) 
in the first three soils, we can see what Warren Wiersbe described as the three great enemies of the Christian at work. The devil, the flesh, and the world. The devil wants to snatch away the word of truth, the word of the gospel, freedom in Christ. He, wants, he doesn't want anybody to hear that. So he'll come in and do whatever he can to keep them from listening. The f- flesh and its desires and its emotions keep the seed of the gospel from growing and being fruitful in us. And the world doesn't want to hear about it. They want us all to compete in a rat race. And they said, just you need a nicer house and a bigger car and all of these sorts of things to keep up with the Joneses. So you got to have timeshare in Florida, too. All of these three forces, devil, our own flesh, and the world, are fighting to keep us unfruitful. When we look at this parable, we can see what's the goal, what is the the aim, is fruitfulness. Not just healthy plants, fruitful plants. So look at the fourth soil. Fourth soil is the good soil. Verse 20. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. Thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. This is the soil that produces grain, 30, 60, 100 fold. In that day, 10 to 1 was a good crop. I plant one seed and it grows and they get 10 more, right? 30, holy smokes, 60, 100, unbelievable. The faithful and fruitful reception of the gospel, which results in a great harvest of souls. That's the fruitful, good soil. And clearly, this is the type of soil that the Lord wants, right? This is good soil. They call it good because it's not bad. It's good. And these are those who hear the word. They hear the gospel and receive it. They put their trust in Christ and in turn produce fruit. Not just a nice-looking churchgoer, but to produce fruit. And what kind of fruit is this uh, plant to grow? more seeds to be sown right that's the idea more gospel opportunities more tries to plant in different soil casting the seed all over the place and that's how this planting thing works Eunice Vincent who cast a seed in the soil of my heart 40 years ago 40. She's long gone. She's been in the ground for a long time. But the seed that the Lord was uh, so in my heart uh, took root. She was fruitful. She cast the seed of the gospel in me and countless others so that I and them could in turn cast the seed in more people. And that's what the mark of a fruitfulness is. What was once soil is now a sower. 
Not that you have to become, a, a, obviously, a vocational minister or get ordained or go to a foreign country to be a missionary, but that you faithfully sow the seed of the word that was planted in you on whatever soil is around you. If you live in the woods, cast a sow, sow the seed in the woods or on the street. It doesn't matter. In the parking lot, everywhere. You are not responsible for the quality of the soil. You are responsible for casting the seed, sowing the seed. It's very important for us to remember that the soil that the seed falls on does not reflect the skill of the sower. Okay? You say, I didn't do a good job because they didn't come to faith in Christ. All right. Uh, so you sowed the seed. That that was your business. Everything else is kind of not your business. It's the Lord's business, right? It's the Holy Spirit that allows that seed to take root. It's the Holy Spirit that allows rocky soil to be broken up and made into good soil. The Holy Spirit is the one that digs up the path, not us. We're not responsible for that. Robert Jameson wrote, The great general lesson held forth in the parable of the sower is that however faithful the preacher and however pure his message, the effects of the preaching of the word depends on the state of the hearer's heart. And that's not our responsibility. The question that we must each answer for ourselves, first of all, is what kind of soil am I? We want to say, I'm a good soil. Aren't I? Here I am. Well, are you? I can't answer that. What kind of soil are you? What kind of fruit are you bearing? If any. I don't know. That's only you and the Holy Spirit can discover that. And the second question is, what am I doing with the seed that was sown in me? That's how you will know what kind of soil you really are, is the answer to that. What are you doing with the seed that was sown in me? Now, it's my prayer that you'd all be good soil. We all would. And that would we would be fruitful and multiply. Let's not just have more babies. But it's not bad either. That's my prayer that we would all be sowers of the seed because the seed fell in good soil in our hearts. And all we can do for those that we cast the seed upon is to pray for them and pray that the Holy Spirit would change the condition of their heart so they would receive uh, the good news that Jesus came and died for them so that they could be forgiven and adopted as God's children. Amen? Amen. There's a lot of amen sayers, I guess, that usually sit up here. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this word this morning. Um, I pray, Lord, that um, you would do the work of cultivating the soil of our hearts first, that we would all be good soil, that we would be diligent to pull the weeds in our own hearts, Not that we stop paying bills or go to work, but those things would take their proper place in our lives and our priorities. 
that our relationship with you would come first before anything else. Um, before our work, before our studies, before our relationships. Father, I pray that we would be fruitful and multiply because we are sowing the seed ourselves, sharing the love of Jesus with other people so that they would see what you have done for them, how much you love them. And Lord, again, if there's anyone here this morning who has never received Christ as Lord, we pray that they would just simply ask for forgiveness, accept that you died for them, and trust you with the rest of their lives so that they too would be good soil and the seed of the gospel would take root in their hearts so they too would grow to be fruitful and multiply more disciples of Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We pray that your spirit would be on all those that are not with us this morning for sickness or the storm or whatever. And we pray that you would be blessed by your church this morning. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.